0: We're getting into this this teaching, looking at the word devoted, um, following Jesus together. If you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to Acts chapter 2, just in verse 42, just got one verse today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Does anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? You can say it out loud, anybody? Name starts with an L. Luke, It's a good name, good strong name. Um, Also have a kid named Luke. Luke. As one of four what we call Gospels, all right? The Synoptic Gospels. The Gospels are the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four books are primarily all about the life and teaching of Jesus, all right? So when this guy Luke writes his version, his teaching of what Jesus had given him, he actually originally wrote it in one big writing called the book of Luke Acts. Luke, part one, the book of Acts, part two. So the early church got these letters that began to naturally realize, man, the book of Luke teaches about the life teaching of Jesus. The book of Acts is primarily about the early church and how the church took the teachings of Jesus and began to run with it. As we look at Acts this morning, it's going to be focusing especially on the early church and what Jesus did through the early church. I want us to, I'm, I'm trying today, right? It's a little bit different. I even have handouts that are on a Microsoft Word document because that's, about as technologically savvy as I am in the sheets of paper. So we'll have these on the way out the door. So after first service, no joke, I said, look, y'all, I'm a better preacher than I'm a teacher. And on the way out the door, like 27 teachers were like, you know, you're right about that. That was really true. No, no they didn't say that. They're very encouraging and they gave me a hug. It was a whole thing. But um, no, I, I taught to some of the teachers for real that are, way. my wife is a much, much better gifted teacher than I am, um, but on some ways that we as a church body here, I'm mean going to do, be more intentional about teaching some of these foundational things. So today, I told my kids I'm not going like to get really loud and yell a lot because sometimes my kids say, Dad, you get kind of scary on Sundays, and it's going to be more of a teaching, but after last service, we did that too. But with this, I want to have a conversation with our church this morning. The primary reason for, for spending this time here this morning in the next couple weeks is that in the last year to year and a half. We've had quite a few folks who have begun attending our church that have either never been to church before. This is their very first time in church in their lives, which is an opportunity and kind of scary at the same time because we have the opportunity to really do this well or to really mess this up. We have a lot of other folks who have begun joining us who have not been to church since the time they were children and according to some of these families, haven't been back to church since their parents stopped making them go to church. So we wanna do a good job of making sure we're naturally teaching the Bible, but then also giving real life application as to how to live that out in our daily lives. So with that being said, we're in the book of Acts this morning that was written by a guy named Luke. The other four gospels are written by Matthew, Mark, and John. These people actually knew Jesus personally. They either had a very close relationship with Jesus himself as one of his disciples, that's Matthew and John, or they had a very close relationship with Paul who had a revelation and an encounter with Jesus and likely were in the circles of Jesus while Jesus was on the earth. That's Luke and Mark. Matthew and John were disciples. They were one of the 12. Matthew was a tax collector. John wrote the book of Revelation. They knew him for a long, John knew him the longest. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus actually said to John, hey, take care of my mom mom, John's going to take care of you. Why are we sharing this? Because I want us to know that these letters, these books that we're reading from every Sunday are not just something that fell out of the sky as one compiled list. These were actual letters and books that were written to early church people just like us 2,000 years ago. And the churches that continue to do well are the churches that build their foundations on what those folks said about who Jesus is and what he had done. The early church Was devoted to four primary activities on a regular basis that we believe every kingdom-minded church should continue to be devoted to today. I was going to do all four of these this morning, but I got really carried away in just the first one, so we might do the next week or two to unpack the rest. Let's read this verse here, Acts two forty-two, talking about the early church, and they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, those are the four primary things. So people say, why do you do the church the way you do it? Why do we do church like this at Covenant Park? These are the four primary teachings that we build it off of. We believe in the apostles' teachings, we preach and teach the word of God. We gather together for fellowship. If you don't know us well, we really like to eat, right? Like everywhere we go, if you want to eat something to eat, let's get something to eat. So we just eat a lot, but also that more than just the food, it's the being together. It's the gathering around our dinner tables in small groups and in Bible studies and in sep- uh, systems we have within the church. I believe in the breaking of bread. That's the bread over like chips and salsa sometimes. That's always fun. But even more specifically, the breaking of bread and communion, taking communion every week, and the prayers, this idea that y'all God has called us together to be a church that prays over one another. This morning, we're just looking at the first of those teachings. And they, early church, just like we are called today, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. To me, when we look at this, one of the first questions should simply be, who is an apostle, right? They're devoting themselves to the teachings of the apostles. Who is an apostle? There's disagreement in the modern church world about what I'm about to say, And I'm okay with that. We say it with love and grace. We believe in this church, the apostles were the 12 or so original people who had a personal, tangible relationship with Jesus Christ. The men and women, those that had family and relationship with Jesus himself. Why is that important? Because when the early church says things like, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings, they are saying, we are devoting ourselves to the teachings of the people who knew him personally. These weren't individuals that were coming along saying, I've heard about him, or I've had an encounter with someone who knew someone who knew someone who used to live next door to him. This is from the mouths of folks who actually said, no, 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 I was there when Jesus raised people from the dead. I was there when he multiplied the bread and the fish. All that to say, I will never be referring to myself as an apostle, all right? Different people do, there are different traditions and different teachings. The primary reason we don't do that here is because according to what we read in scripture, this Bible says that you and I, every elder, every lead team, every staff member in this church are exactly the same in the eyes of God. Some of us have different gifts and talents and abilities. If you watched me walk into a first grade classroom to try to teach a bunch of little kids for seven hours, you would pull your kids out of that school so fast it would be scary, right? That's just not my giftedness, but we have teachers in this place. We have doctors and surgeons in this place. We have moms who are raising children in this place and dads who are raising children in this place. The giftedness is different. Why is that important? Y'all, I think God's given me the gift of gab. You know what I mean? I'm what my granddad used to say, I'm a talker. I gotta like to talk. But even still, when I have the opportunity to teach in front of our church each week, I am still referencing what has been passed down to me through God's word. Prayerfully, it will never become the teachings of Danny that's leading this church, or the teachings of Blake, or Jeff, or Dustin, or Lynn. It's the teachings of God. It's his word. Why is that important? Because in the early church days, y'all, Jesus had not been resurrected very long. In the book of Luke, in the book of Acts, they were already running into situations where people who didn't know Jesus that well at all were coming into the church circles and saying things that weren't 100% true. So the church was having to say, whoa, like, wait, wait, you're saying this and you're saying that, which way are we going? And naturally, the way they went was from the folks who said, no, no, I was at the campfire. My name's John. I wrote the book of Revelation, right? I was at the resurrection of the dead. Like Peter could have said, no, I wrote a couple books. I wrote the letters to you guys because I was there when Jesus met me on the beach and he cooked the fish over the open flame and he said, go and feed my sheep. Why is it important? Because who we listen to really matters. We at this church are gonna devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings. Yep, we have teachers and leaders and ministers and lots of other people. The apostles' teachings are the words that we read in the New Testament about who Jesus was directly from the mouths of the folks who knew him best. All we need to know for salvation and sanctification, salvation is how we become a Christian, how we get saved, that's the process of being justified. Jesus allows us to become perfect when Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. Our salvation is in Christ alone. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus. That happens every year until we're with him in glory. That means if you are on this earth for another 70 years, prayerfully you will be more like Jesus 70 years from now than you are today. We become more like him every day. All we need to know for salvation and sanctification has been given through to us through the teachings of the apostles and prophets that we have in the scripture. And this teaching is in our holy book, the Bible itself. We are to contend for the faith that was that which was delivered to the saints once for all delivered, which was done through the apostles and the prophets. Paul even makes a claim in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, where he says he is the last of the apostles. Why is that important? To me, apostles are restricted to those who have seen the risen Lord and been commissioned by him. I would encourage you to take a step back and consider the teachings in the heart of those who quickly claim to be an apostle today. Why is that important? Because y'all, we have some in our own church family who in their lives so far, according to their own testimonies, have been pulled away from the true Christian faith because they fell into the teaching of someone who said things like, oh, God's given me a secret word for you. We're going to start a new group based off of this secret revelation from the Lord. Y'all, there's no secret about what's written in this book. There's no secret to salvation. It's through Jesus and what he's done. So if you are in a circle and someone is saying something like, hey, no one else knows this about our faith, but God's given me a word about it, I would encourage you to be very cautious. Because the God I know has already revealed everything we know to have a relationship with him through this book. Now that's not to say God can't speak. God speaks to all of us. God's revealing himself to me and I pray all of us on a regular basis through his word. So are we asking the Lord, Lord reveal yourself to me because we want to dedicate ourselves to the teaching like the early church did of the apostles. They didn't have the Old Testament, New Testament. They just had the old and the teachings of those that knew Jesus directly. So who's an apostle? We address that. What were they teaching? That's important. What were they teaching? all were to honor God and His Word in all of our gatherings. There's a story about Jesus on the day that He was baptized. Jesus didn't need to be baptized because He had no sins to repent of. The Scripture says when Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened, a dove descended. This is my Son whom I will please, said the Lord. And Jesus entered into the wilderness for how many days, do y'all remember? 40 days and 40 nights. At the end of the 40 days, the Scripture says the devil himself showed up to tempt Jesus. This is important for a number of reasons. One, the devil is quite real. There's some teachings in some churches that call themselves Christians that would call into question the devil himself or hell itself. I believe, and we teach in our church, that to be a Christian, you gotta acknowledge that. I mean, that's, that's part of it here. But even more than that, to know that Jesus really was fully God and fully man. I pray that we believe that. He was fully God and fully man. He was present when God said, let there be light. He was present when the flood came for Noah. He was present with the Ten Commandments in Moses. And Jesus was tempted by the devil himself. And what did the devil use most often to try to trick Jesus? Scripture. The devil went to Jesus himself and misquoted Scripture, hoping to get Jesus to trip up and fall into sin. Thank goodness Jesus knew the scripture much better than the devil. But the question that I've been wrestling with this week is if Jesus, who is the word in the flesh, was tempted by the devil who misquoted the word, could the devil do that to me and to you? Yes. Church, it is dangerous this morning. If the last time you memorized a Bible verse was in a a kid's class in elementary school, It is dangerous if the only teaching of God's word you are getting on a weekly basis is in this room for 30 minutes or so while me or someone else stands on stage. That is not how God wants it to be. I do not believe, I think he wants our church to, yep, people come in, we're gonna preach the word, we're gonna stay true to it. Y'all, God wants us to know him individually as well, to open our Bibles on Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the week and let God speak to us We need to learn from God's word in his gatherings, but also throughout the week. If the devil could misquote a scripture on Jesus, I'm pretty sure he could misquote a scripture on me or on you. Why is that important? Y'all, there's a lot of people saying a lot of crazy things out there. You know what I mean? Sometimes they sound pretty good. Sometimes they sound pretty biblical. If we don't know what it says, we are more likely to fall into that trap. When Martin Luther, who was the father of the Reformation movement, the history of the world, in the history of the church. The Catholic church was doing their thing for a long time. This guy named Martin Luther showed up on the scene. He was doing the priesthood thing. He could read the book. He started reading the book and realizing what we're doing isn't matching the book. So he nailed these things called the 95, 99, 95, 99, the bunch of theses on the door at the church in Wittenberg, right? He nails them to the door. And people start coming to faith in Christ because they realized they didn't need a priest that spoke a different language. They didn't need a fancy church building. All they needed was the cross and the empty tomb. And Martin Luther was saying that's all, you know, church helps. The body of believers is important. That's what it's to do. But the salvation is found in Christ alone. People started showing up everywhere. At the end of Martin Luther's life, a few folks came to Martin Luther and said, look at what you have done. Look at all the new believers who are gonna be in eternity forever because of you. And this was his response. I did nothing. I simply taught and preached and wrote God's word. Otherwise I did nothing. And otherwise, while I slept, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that others have found hope in Christ. I did nothing. Martin Luther said the word did it all. Why is that important? Because he was never taking glory for himself, he was giving glory to God. Another random warning that's not in the sermon notes, if you ever meet someone that's teaching about Jesus that wants to take more credit than Jesus, stop listening to their teaching. Our God is a jealous God who wants all the praise and the glory, which is why we continually say, Lord, this is your church, it's your house, it's your body, it's your word, it's your teaching. And he allows us to live and experience it together. Tough question do we really believe the Bible? I hope that all of us say, yeah, I believe the Bible. If we do, ask ourselves these couple of questions here. What does the Bible say about the church? What does the Bible say about the lost? We have extra Bibles out in the foyer we'd love to get to you. We have Bible apps and devotions we'd love to share. Do we really believe the Bible, what it says about the church and what it says about the lost? If somebody asked you this week, do you believe the Bible? Yeah, I believe the Bible. What's the Bible say? You can start hitting different stories. There's lots of cool stories in there. But the overall theme, right, just a quick synopsis of the overall theme, the story of scripture, the Bible is the story of how God redeems his people for his kingdom. God is bringing his purpose to his people, to his place for his purpose. Every word in this book is one arrow pointing to Jesus and what Jesus has done. This is the redemptive story of God's love for all of us. So, as we ask ourselves, Lord, do I believe this book? Am I willing to live my life and build my foundation of my life on it? How do we live that out? I've met a lot of people in the last few months that have said, Man, I'm just trying to get into the Bible, get into a little Bible study, get into the Word. I just don't know where to start. You ever been there? Sometimes let's start in Genesis. You know, I'm talking about Genesis 1 1. You ever get like Genesis 17 and you go, Well, it's. St- I'll start that again next year. I mean, like some, I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes we do that. Or other people say, and there's nothing wrong with some of this. I've had other folks say, I mean, sometimes just open up and go, that's not like a good verse. I'll just start right there. There's nothing wrong with that. But y'all, we really want our church body to be a body that knows what this book says and is living it out in their daily lives. Which means if we come into agreement this morning that the Bible is important and we want to live it out, we've got to be willing to study it. We've got to be willing to do more than just hear a preacher talk about it for 30 minutes on a Sunday. If you want a relationship with God to grow, you will read his word more, and you will apply it in your life more. This is convicting for me and my family as well, because God wants to know us individually as well as corporately. So if you're saying this morning, I'd love to read the Bible, I don't know how to do that. That's difficult. You're in lots of good company. I found a great resource. I want to quote him a lot. His name's David Platt. He's a pastor of a church in D.C. area called Maclean Bible Church. He's doing a missions movement around the world. Absolutely Wonderful. We'll be sharing some more of this later. But this morning, some of these things. So if somebody's like, that sounds like David Platt's, because it is. I've, some of this is his stuff here, all right? So we start with this question: why do we devote ourselves to God's word? If the early church says in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, why is that important? What is the apostles' teachings? It's the New Testament, it's the Word of God. Why do we devote ourselves to it? Because God's Word is perfect. God's word is trustworthy, it is right, and it is radiant. God's word gives us life, makes us wise, brings us joy, and helps us see. God is more valuable than money, and more, God's word is more valuable than money, and more satisfying than food. God's word guards us from danger and leads us to treasure. We'll be sending some of these things out this week. God's word is extremely important. Jesus says he is the word in the flesh. Jesus says, I fulfilled everything that you've been given through the prophets, Jesus fulfills it. Why do we devote ourselves to God's word? Because according to the scripture, it gives us life itself. There are some dangerous approaches to reading the Bible. All of us, I pray, read the Bible and wanna read it more after today. But I gotta let us know that there are different ways that we can approach the scripture, I believe, that God can use in a different way. What are some dangerous approaches to the Bible? One that I would call an emotional approach. The emotional approach is sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with this, y'all. There have been times in my life where I had nothing but tears, and I had to read the text and say, Lord, speak to me, and you read through it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's of the Lord. But if we get into the mindset, if we can get into the practice of every time we read the scripture, we're reading it very emotionally, saying, Lord, what, does, what feels right to me? And sometimes we can get to a dangerous spot, and the Bible can become more about how do we feel and less about who God is what we might call the spiritual approach. There's nothing wrong with the spiritual approach. We have the Holy Spirit of Christ living in us who leads us to his word and wants to teach his word to us. But y'all, if we ever get into an idea, and some people we've talked to in our church have actually experienced this in their lives, we ever get into idea where there's some deep, hidden, secret meaning for me, y'all, God speaks to me. Has anybody ever had a conversation with the Lord by reading the text? It's awesome. Y'all have done this. It's crazy. I'm like, Lord, I don't, random stuff. Not just like, where's the, I thought something fell. I don't, not like something random, but like, Lord, it's hot outside. I'm not making this stuff up. Like, Lord, it's hot outside. Some verse will come. We look it up. I'm like, sure enough, it's hot outside. And you ever done that? Why? Because it's a living text. It's a living text for everybody, which is not just a word for me. It's a word for all of us. Now he gives us different ways to interpret and share that. You know, the pragmatic approach. I love the fact that we have Google and Siri and lots of other devices that we can, at a drop of a hat, say, uh, give me 27 verses on anxiety. You ever done that? It's pretty sweet stuff. People are like, man, you know the Bible. I'm like, <laughs> Siri knows. But you're like, you got this. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a gift because we need to have resources that help us get us to what the scripture says. But church, I would encourage us not just to read the Bible just in that way. Be willing to say, Lord, give me some verses on anxiety and worry, and then read the text that's before and after that. Look at the bigger stories so that we're not just getting little bitty snippets. The whole while I think God says this is a real life story for everybody, or even the superficial approach, which I think some, maybe some churches, maybe some Christians fall into. What does it mean for me? Now, what is that? that sounds kind of confusing, because this is for us. But again, I'm encouraging us to say, Lord, what is the scripture teaching me about you? What is the scripture teaching me about who I am in you? So, what's a dependable approach? I have this thing here. It's an acronym: MAPS. M A P S. A dependable, a dependable approach to the Bible. This is especially for those who are saying, man, I don't even know where to start when I read the Bible. Like I open it up and I read some words and, I, and, I, and I'm, this is why, one of the reasons why we're doing this today. I've had a lot of people say, which is crazy because sometimes I have conversations with myself, which sounds weird, and you think not, uh, I don't know how people follow what I'm saying because I don't even know. I can't even follow what I'm saying. Some of the times I get lost in translation. I understand the sentiment and I think it's awesome that God's given us this ability to do this well in this church when other people have said to me and other teachers on the staff, man, you do an exceptional job of making the Bible come to life. You make this applicable. You bring out the text. I understand the text. Y'all, we're going to keep doing that. That's not going away. But I want all of us to experience that. I want you to experience that on a Tuesday at four o'clock, you know, not just Sunday morning. Like I want you to be able to open the text and do that as well. How do we do that? Here's a way that I've learned how to do it well. M-A-P-S. You're trying to figure out where to start. M can stand for meditate and memorize. Meditate and memorize. We'll have Microsoft Word document handouts with this at the end of class today. And one of my teachers said, you know, I can make that digital. And I was like, that sounds of the Lord. So we're gonna work on that one too. But for today, we got Microsoft Word. Meditate and memorize. I would encourage you to do this if you're not already, especially if you're struggling, like, I don't know how to read the Bible, I don't know where to start. Start with this, meditate and memorize. Ask yourself these questions about any verse you read, any verse in the Bible. What does this passage say about who God is? What does this passage say about who we are? And what does this passage say about how we follow Jesus? Everything in the Bible is one big arrow to Jesus. Everything in the Bible is teaching us about who God is. And everything in the Bible is teaching us about who we are. The difference between true Bible study and modern American cultural Bible study is that usually the part about who we are, sometimes it's not that good. Sometimes it's like, hey, you could be more like him when you let some of these things go. How do we study the Bible? We start with meditating and memorizing. There's nothing wrong with, not with a Sharpie marker, but with a race marker on your, on your bathroom mirror or in the car, in an index card. Write passages down and put them everywhere. They quickly come back to your mind and you can memorize those things. I would love to give everybody a piece of candy that memorizes the verse for next week, but we're trying to build a church. like, we can't afford Snicker bars. Like, we can't, so no one, maybe you want a Snicker bar, we'll make it happen. But like in Sunday school, they used to say, if you memorize this first, we'll give you a piece of candy. Next week, we're going to, at some point in the service, quote Acts 2.42 together. You don't know where to start? This week, dedicate the whole week to saying, Lord, I want to memorize Acts 2.42. One verse. We talked about it earlier. We're going to close with it just a little bit. One verse. And it starts with the teaching of the apostles is what we ground our lives on. Memorize the scripture. Memorize the text. Why? Because this world is broken. And there are different ideas and philosophies and teachings out there that contradict this. The best way to push back on those is to have them hidden in our hearts. We start by meditating and memorize. The A can stand for applying it. You can ask yourself this week, if you haven't started, and y'all, I'm saying this, I know some of you guys know the Bible, I'm serious, better than me, like we have Bible scholars in this room that read the text and get lost in the text, and we celebrate that. And in the same room, we have others who maybe have never opened a Bible before on their own. How do we do that? We meditate and memorize, we apply it. I'm a tangible kind of guy. You can say, Lord, how does this affect my head, my heart, and my hands? Ask yourself these questions. How does it, any passage you're reading in scripture, how does this passage transform my thoughts? How does this passage transform my desires, the desires of my heart? How does this passage transform my actions? How does this tangibly give me something to do? God wants us to meditate and to memorize, but y'all, he wants us to live it out and to apply it to our lives. We want to be the type of church that lets people come in just as they are, get the coffee, get the donut, come in, let's sit in a fancy green chair, like do that whole thing, but then get a teaching from the Word that we can live out and apply in our daily lives. Same is true in our daily Bible studies. P, it stands for pray. There's nothing wrong. I hope that we all do. Talk to the Lord as we're reading Scripture. Talk to them in some, we've had some saying, I get this, I don't even know what to pray. I don't know how to start that. Here's another acronym, P R A Y. How do you do it? You praise according to God's word. If you ever read a Bible verse and think, man, that's just good, there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I just want to speak this verse back to you. Quote God's word on God. You ever anybody have any kids? We've got a lot of them. You know, like you got kids and sometimes your kids say something and you hear them and in your mind you're like, I know who they learned that from, whatever the negative thing they just said was. It's usually their mom, right? You're like, you (laughs) should, fact, right? But sometimes our kids say things, you ever had that happen? They say something that's just good and you're like, man, they're listening, you know? They're getting this. What does God call us? His children. There's nothing wrong. If you don't know where to, I'm serious, there's nothing wrong. If you don't know where to start praying, open this book and say, God, I just want to read these words and can this be my prayer to you? Praise him according to his word. Repent according to his word. Read the word and say, Lord, how can I repent of his Ask according to his word. Yield, give up things according to his word. So as you're reading a passage, you meditate, you memorize, you apply it, you pray over it. And the last one's a hard one. Don't do this one unless you're ready. It stands for S is for share. And we're called to share the above with, any, with someone else. Consider writing down your reflections. I don't do this well. I'm trying to do it better. Some of y'all are amazing journalists. You write journals and you prayer guides. You know, something happens when we write things down. If you want to get really crazy in your prayer time as you're reading the scripture on your own and you want to say something like, Lord, I pray that you let me share this with someone today. If you don't want to talk to anybody that day, don't pray that. There have been times when I've said, oh, you ever been there? Oh, Lord, this is so good. I know somebody needs it. Lord, give me a chance to share this today. And then at lunch, just like the Lord says, ta-da, and you're like, I'm, I don't want to talk. You ever been there? I'm saying, so with that, when you're ready for that, you'll ask the Lord to let, let you share, share the word because he'll let you share it in ways that'll just make you go, I couldn't have made that up on my own. Consider writing your reflections down and look for opportunities to talk with others about your reflections. I want us to be a people that are grounded in God's word. I want you to know more about God's word this time next year than you do right now. I want your Bibles to be more worn out this time next year than they are right now. I want them to be more underlined and more highlighted in more conversations. Our prayer, one of my, I can say my prayer, one of my prayers is of like this week, it's been here for a while, is that this church in this town will be the type of place that makes other people walk into Starbucks or somewhere fancy like Taco Bell and see two guys over here reading the Bible together. One of our students asked me this week, 10th grader, said, man, I'm pumped. He didn't say I'm pumped because it's not the 90s. He said something cooler. I don't know. Hashtag, I don't know. He said, like, in there. And I said, what's going on, dude? He said, I'm starting a Bible study. And I'm not inviting any church people. His words, not mine. I was like, I know, because they're annoying. I didn't say it. No, I didn't say it. I'm kidding. Make sure you're still with me. We're closing out. I didn't. You're, you're not annoying. I said, I get it. Why? Why are you inviting people that don't go to church? 10th grade 15-year-old. Because church people already hear it. I need to get the people that don't. Y'all, that's good stuff. Is that desire in our hearts? It'sn't something just for the kids. It's not just something to pray over the next generation. This is for us to do. Right? Lord, are we willing to take your word and let it be a light unto our paths? and shine it for the world to see. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm thankful for this chance to have a conversation with you and with one another today. Lord, you are faithful and you are good. Your word is perfect. I pray for us, God. I pray that all of us have a desire to know you more and to read your word more. God, I'm thankful that we have a church that can gather in this place and study your word together. We will never change that, Lord. But God, I want us all to know you throughout the week as well to read your word. Lord, to ask you to help us with understanding it. God, let us be the type of people who do meditate on your word. Like Just think about it. Let this stuff get stuck in our head. Let us memorize passages of scripture and apply it to our daily lives. Lord, I pray that you begin to show us and continue to show us how can we live these things out to pray over these things, God. Lord, Jesus himself went off by himself, so many times, and he was God in the flesh, but he went alone by himself to pray. God, if we're to be like him, help us to pray those same things over our lives and to share this. Lord, you know our world is hungry for truth. I believe they're hungry for something of meaning and value. God, I pray that we are filled with the truth, that we are filled with your light. And that the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ would lead us into opportunities to share that truth, your truth, with those around us. God, for those that know the Bible well, Lord, for everybody hearing these words right now that that is already entrusting in Jesus and we are becoming more like him and we want to become more like him every day. God, give us the strength. God, give us the strength to wake up early if all we've got is 5.45 in the morning. Give us the dedication and devotion to stay up late if all we've got is 9.30 at night after the kids go to bed. Lord, give us the heart to put on the Bible app and just listen to your word be read over us. If the week is just maxed out, let us just let the word be read over us as we drive in the car down the road. I want us to be saturated with this, Lord. Lord, let us continue to fall in love with you because of what your word says. And God, for anyone that doesn't know who Christ is. For anyone that's here, maybe for the first time or they're just reading, they don't even know, they don't have a Bible. Lord, let today be the day that they start a relationship with you. The scripture says in Romans 10 that if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, scripture says we repent of our sins. We put our trust and believe in what Jesus has done. Lord, you will save us because you want to have a relationship with us. So God, I pray right now for anyone that does not have a relationship with their creator. Let them enter into that relationship right now. Introduce yourself to the Lord. He knows you. He knew you before the world was created. Ask him, ask him to take your heart. If you're willing, share that with someone else before you leave. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to have the actual Words of Jesus in these Bibles that we hold for allowing us to have the words from you that remind us of our purpose, our value, and our worth. You are worthy of all of our praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray.